but it's it's just difficult to, I guess, establish a, like a deeper connection with Japanese guys. In my in my opinion. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kodakara Podcast. So on this week's episode, we have Kara from the YouTube channel Car Adventures. So her channel highlights her journey full of highs and lows throughout her journey as a jet and salary woman in Japan. So we had a great time talking about her many experiences in Japan, including how she survived the cold winters in rural Japan, as well as why she chose to leave the country. We also talk about dating life in Japan and how it's different from everywhere else in the world. So, if you guys like the podcast, please consider subscribing to us on Patreon. We post fun episodes, exclusive clips, and it really helps us grow the podcast and achieve goals such as adding video with our guests on. But I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kodakara Podcast. My name is Raza, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric. We talk to people of all types of backgrounds about their lives in Japan, studying Japanese, or even tips and tricks on how to learn the language. This week, we're joined by a very special guest in Kara, a YouTuber slash blogger slash adventurer. Yes, yeah, so I first found about Kara's channel, Car Ventures, around the time that I started learning Japanese and finding out about Jet as a way to go to Japan. And I found her channel and found it really cool that she documented her entire two-year journey living in Niigata Prefecture and later moving to Tokyo for a period of time as well. And she documents all of her ups and downs that she experienced and she shares her unique experience and perspective of Japan. And after Japan, she has since moved back to the United States, living in New York. And today we're hoping to get a closer look behind her journey and relationship with Japan. But before that, Kara, can you give us a quick background of who you are and where you are at today? For sure. Thank you so much, guys. That was such a great introduction. So my name is Kara. I was born in Australia, but I grew up in Hong Kong. And then I went back to Australia for high school and then LA for college. And then obviously Japan for a couple of years. And now I'm back in the States and the Big Apple. So um, yeah, I um, did YouTube videos and I also blog. And now I'm a copywriter at a fintech startup. And honestly, even after moving back to the States for more than a year now, I still talk about Japan all the time. So I can't wait to talk to you guys about my experiences and very excited. Great. We, we love talking about Japan on the Korakara podcast. It's actually all we do. <laughs> favorite topic. <laughs> My favorite, number one. <laughs> so I guess let's get right into it, into Japan. So you kind of started your Japanese, your I guess your, your journey in Japan with JET. So I guess how come you applied to JET in the first place and how, how did this all come together? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I, I was growing up in Hong Kong, my family and I actually would go to Japan all the time for summer because the two countries are so close. So to me, Japan kind of has this special meaning, you know, as, as like my childhood memories with my parents. And I went back to Japan in my second year of college by myself. So during that trip, I met a few jets in the hostel that I stayed at in Osaka. And they're like, yo, Kara, we're having a time of our lives here. You should do the same thing when you graduate. And so I was like, sure. And so two years later, when I graduated college, I told my parents, you know what, I'm going to Japan and teach English. <laughs> so yeah, that's how that's why I decided to apply to the JET program. What was your parents reaction like? Oh, they were shocked. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because、um, I made it pretty clear that I wanted to become a clinical psychologist, and to do so, I would have to go to grad school.、Um, but then, obviously, going to Japan is. <laughs> it's not quite the path to become a clinical psychologist, so you know they were they were kind of they were yeah they were not happy in the beginning. But、uh, after some time, they learned to appreciate you know this this ambition of mine to go to Japan, and yeah, they were very supportive towards the end. Yeah, you love to hear it. And I guess something really infamous about the whole jet process is the location placement. So. You've heard many stories about people getting placed in maybe desirable locations and some maybe undesirable. So, kind of, how did it land in your favor, and kind of how did you take the location with Heed? Right. Yeah. So I was placed in Niigata, and to be honest, when I found out about my placement, I didn't even know where Niigata is, <laughs> nor have I heard anything about Niigata. So、uh, that was a lot of research. Then I actually wanted to go to Aomori because. Um, so when I apply for the jet program, I research all forty-seven prefectures, and Aomori's、right. the Google images of Aomori were just mesmerizing, <laughs> which is why I wanted to go there.、Um, but yeah, during my interview, I just made sure to tell the jet committee that I wanted to go to somewhere rural because I feel like that's the the unique kind of experience that I want out of the program. Yeah, and I don't regret it at all. I love I love Niigata. That's that's interesting because like one of the jets that we interviewed, he's actually gonna be going to Almaty like、uh, next month. I think. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like it's also like in the middle of winter, so it's gonna. I think the snow will start melting like in May or something. That's that yeah. That's gonna be interesting. But、uh, at least Almaty got really、uh, delicious apples. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> That's really interesting. Also, to hear that、um, you're going more for the rural aspect of living in Japan, because a lot of times when we talk to people, they really want to be in like Tokyo, Osaka, Yokohama, and really just be in like the hustle and bustle. So, is there like a specific reason you wanted to feel more of the rural aspect? Like, do you want to have more interaction maybe with everyone there? Yeah,、um, mostly because the family trips that I did when I was younger were to the bigger cities, so I feel like I already know those places pretty well. So、um, with the jet program, I really wanted to try something different, right? And going to the countryside is perfect. It's exactly the thing I wanted, and also because I have always grown up, like I've always lived in big cities, so it will also be interesting for me to try living in a small town and see how I like it. And I guess like、uh, another like part that you said was. Particularly difficult throughout your channel about living in rural Japan is the winters, and you talked about how you had like a honeymoon period when you first went, and you kind of like struggle through the winter. So like, how were how do you prepare differently for each winter, like after the first one? Right. So、uh, it really helped that by the second winter I had a lot more local friends, so they were they were really helpful,、um, to be honest,、uh, for to to prepare me for winter. But also I knew how to insulate my house better with bubble wrap.、Uh, yeah. So like you would just put bubble wrap on the on the windows, and it actually really helped. I think it at least helps.、Um, Uh, bump the temperature up a couple degrees, so that and I also know how to get the kerosene for my kerosene heater, <laughs> and、uh, just just how to deal with snow to be honest, and how to drive in snow at the same time. First year was just a lot of challenges,、um, but yeah, set、so、a time around.、Uh, having the local connections definitely helped. Ah,、uh, so the first time I heard about the bubble wrap technique. <laughs> <laughs> Very inexpensive I... way to keep you warm. 
for real though. I gotta try it out sometime. I mean, everyone who is potentially going to Japan and going up north, here, take note, take note, use the bubble wrap technique. <laughs> also keep your um, water tap, uh, like keep dripping throughout the night because I didn't do that one time and yeah, the pipes were frozen and I just didn't have water. But the thing is, yeah, it's not the end of the story. So I uh, try, right? I like try to like uh, turn on the water tap, and I didn't. I forgot to turn it back on off. So uh, when the pipes unfroze, <laughs> the water just like flooded my house. So make sure you don't make the same mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting experience. <laughs> Yo, we're learning life lessons with Kara, like right in the start of the podcast. You love to hear it. Yeah, all the little things. <laughs> How to live in the cold. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, I mean, as a cold noob myself, um, I was, it's great hearing hearing all this advice. So if I ever end up going up there, I, I know what to do now. I know what to do. <laughs> so I guess we kind of spoke a little bit to your challenges over here, but... I guess now talking about maybe Japan a little bit in general, do you really experience maybe any culture shocks when you did go over to Niigata? Mm, yeah, um, I guess coming from LA at the time, I was just, because LA is such a you know, individualistic kind of place, I just, I was shocked that, you know, the collectivistic culture is really prevalent in Japan and how you just expected to act like everyone around you, especially for me as an Asian foreigner, because like people don't usually know that I'm not Japanese. So they would expect me to act like a Japanese or speak Japanese uh, from the get go. So that's something that I, I was definitely not used to. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like uh, you, you sort of like talked about that on your on your channel, how like you kind of grew up in like a collectivistic country originally. So do you feel like you prefer like, what is your preference of um, style? Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like <laughs> my high school and college years in Australia and LA really opened me up. And when you've been open up, it's very hard to close you back down, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's very difficult to explain this. But um, yeah, once you've been given the chance to really be creative and choose a path for yourself, it's very hard to just tell you to go back to a collectivistic place where you have to do the same thing as everyone else is doing. So that's kind of the struggle that I had, mostly when I went to Japan. Um, but yeah, moving back to the States definitely helped me, you know, find my identity as well and figure out what I really do want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I guess like besides like the, the collectivistic and individualistic aspect, did you feel like there were similarities between like Hong Kong and Japan when you went there? Uh, I, yes, uh, some, and that they're very similar in some ways and different in some ways. So both countries are very um, respectful to the elderly, uh, which is something that I, I like, actually. Sometimes I feel like Americans, you know, you can use some more respect for other people. But, um, so that's <laughs> something I noticed. But then people in Hong Kong are very direct. So that's super different from Japanese people, right? People in Hong Kong are just so angry all the time. And they, like, yeah, my, so my parents are very, like, tough love type of parents. So they won't, they won't say, I love you to me that often. And very, like, even if I do, did something good or, you know, got really good result for something, they'll just be like, eh, that's expected. Like, there's not much, oh, like, great job. Wow, that, that's awesome, girl. Like, like no, nothing, <laughs> oh, nothing much like that. So, um... That's the Hong Kong culture, whereas you know Japanese is more, 
I guess like uh, uh, reserved and also it's very difficult to guess what people are really thinking so yeah that's the differences between the two countries I think right I see and I guess you mentioned a little bit about how people kind of expected you to know Japanese right from the get-go. So I guess now kind of moving on to like maybe like a little social aspect here, was it easier or difficult to maybe make friends with Japanese people if some of them maybe just expected you to just like start speaking fluent Japanese right away? <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on who you're trying to make friends with. If you're trying to make friends with the Japanese people who are really into, you know, culture exchange and they really want to brush up their English, then it actually helps that you, can, you, just, you just don't speak any Japanese to them because that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for a conversation partner. But then if you're talking to, I guess, like older people who like just have no interest in learning English, then the ability to speak Japanese definitely helps. Yeah. And yeah, so living in Niigata, I have friends... So yeah, I make friends with my students, obviously. So they're like, what, 15? And I'll, I also have friends, well, not friends. They're, uh, they're my host family. So basically like my grandparents and they're like, what's in, the, in their 60s. So, so yeah, my connections have, uh, are from like all walks of life. And I, it's very interesting for me to see just like the Japanese life in different life stages. Yeah. Right. And I guess like after really experiencing all walks of life really like social aspect and kind of experiencing japan experiencing up north where it's all cold did you kind of expect yourself to stay there long term or from the start i guess or did it kind of change over time your perception of where you wanted to be yeah uh, from in the start i actually only wanted to stay for a year because remember i wanted to go back to grad school right, right um right. but yeah for in the jab program you have to make a decision of whether or not you want to recontract pretty early on within the first half year thing so obviously yeah i was like nah <laughs> I, I i i haven't got enough of this and my japanese was nowhere near where i wanted it to be so i signed on a second year and then you know when the second year ends i was like you know, I think this is the perfect time to end my time on the JAG program because if I keep going, it will just be kind of repetitive, right? And I know that in the long run, education is not exactly the field that I want to stay in. So it's better that I try something different and find my path than later. So yeah, which is why after two years, I chose to move to Tokyo. Right. So I guess we can get into that. So after two years, you started looking for jobs in Tokyo. And then I think you said on your channel that a company reached out to you and that's how you, you were able to find a job. But were you initially interested in like working in a traditionally Japanese company or even a foreign company where you were able to use Japanese? Yeah, so I didn't really have a preference back then, but I definitely wanted to use more Japanese. And before that company reached out to me, actually, I went to the Jet Program Career Fair, and there was another company that really caught my attention. They are a Japanese company, and they were looking for an intercultural, uh, sorry, intercultural, like, trainer so you would go to the company and people who are Japanese people who are about to go move overseas would take this like class with you and you're just there to like talk about um, cultural differences between uh, Japanese and the Western culture and how to help them to bridge them and, and like basically help them adapt to the Western culture easier so that's uh, a position that I was really really interested in but then I kind of so I went to so I went back and forth between Niigata and Tokyo for five rounds of interview but then I kind of screwed up <laughs> and the final interview with the CEO because he asked me if I uh, wanted to stay in Japan long term 
And I was very honest, and I said, "Not after I got married." <laughs> like in the long run, I was like, in the long run, I still prefer living in a Western country, so Australia or America. And so, but I said, in the long run, right? So like in five, ten years time. But then you know, I I get that from his pers- perspective. He wants someone who would stay with the company for a long time, right? So, yeah. So it didn't work out <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess like uh, the. The path of like a lot of like Japanese people who are looking for jobs is to just find one company and stay forever, right? But I guess like, uh, did your Japanese get better or worse after leaving rural Japan? Because uh, I think your job was like only in English, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely get worse, and not just because of my job, but also because Tokyo itself just doesn't provide a lot of opportunities for you to to use Japanese. So in Niigata, when I whenever I because people in Niigata only know Japanese, and I was kind of forced to speak in Japanese, right? But then in Tokyo, whenever I try to speak Japanese, people can tell that I have an accent, and they would just switch to English for me. <laughs> and no matter how hard I try to just stay in Japanese, they would they would keep talking to me in English. So that that definitely makes it harder for me to maintain my Japanese skills, and also, um, I think most of my friends in Tokyo were also foreigners, so um. Yeah, so my Japanese definitely got worse after leaving Niigata. I mean, how 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 did you feel? Was it frustrating when people did that to you? When they hit you with the oh, let's talk in English instead? Actually, <laughs> it was very frustrating. I was just like, yo, just let me practice. <laughs> It's five minutes, but I still treasure it. <laughs> yeah, I just made sure to to talk to my friends from Niigata uh, from time to time to like maintain those skills. I, I remember that used to like happen to me. They they used to happen to me when I was like studying abroad, and I I just feel like thinking like your your English is worse than my Japanese. So like why do you speak, why do you want to speak to me in English? <laughs> but, but I guess like after moving to Tokyo and kind of experiencing more of the I guess hustle and bustle again, how was it like kind of being in that environment? And I guess more specifically like the Japanese working environment. Mm, yeah. So even though I worked for an American company, I had a lot of Japanese clients, right? So I had to like uh, go to their companies all the time, and just being in the you know like being in the commute with other Japanese locals, I I feel like I got a pretty good taste of what the Japanese working environment is like, right? Um, most of the time it's very <laughs> stressful, actually. Um, uh, and you know people work long hours, and they they really like listen to what the bosses say. So the hierarchy, the hierarchy is definitely. More strict in Japan, and I don't know why.、Uh, I like kind of got that even when I、uh, wasn't working for a Japanese company. Because when I moved back to New York, I I worked for a startup, right? So the hierarchy is pretty flat, and a CEO would talk to people all the time, right? But then for some reason, I just had this. Really like strict hierarchy in my head where I was like you know I'm just a small potato here I can't really talk to my、uh, uh, seniors about my ideas and stuff so my manager actually like noticed it and he was like yo like you gotta speak up like I know you have great ideas just speak up why are you being like this so I'm like ah it's the Japanese working style that got me it's like all these subtle influences <laughs> yeah and I guess like、uh, another thing was like when you moved from Niigata to Tokyo did you experience like Cultural shock there. Yeah,、um, I definitely,、uh, I definitely thought how I just thought that like people in Tokyo are more a lot more like uptight <laughs> because yeah, people in Niigata、mm-hmm. are all very like carefree and they're very happy about their lives in general. Like life is a lot more simple 
in Niigata, right? And people definitely, you know, don't earn as much money, but then they are very happy where they are, and you know, they really put a lot of uh, focus on the family, right? But then uh, Tokyo is very different, right? Like any big city, people go there to work, and it's mostly young people, right? So uh, immediately, I just lost this, like, like family type of feeling when I moved to Tokyo. So yeah, that's something that I definitely missed a lot, and I also felt like things are a lot more commercialized in Tokyo. So yeah, those are the main things. Oh, and and also how I I was only I was one of twenty foreigners in Niigata, right, the city that I lived in. But then in Tokyo, I'm just one of millions. So <laughs> so immediately I'm like, oh, I'm not special anymore. Like people don't want to get to know me. <laughs> and I guess like specifically of like the differences between Tokyo and Niigata to your own, I guess preferences. Was there stuff that you liked or disliked comparing the two? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I definitely like the lifestyle in Niigata, but then I also knew that uh, in my twenties I wanted something more, right? I wanted to ch- challenge myself. I wanted to to you know like challenge my career as well and just meet more right. people that are my own age. <laughs> that's something that I didn't have in Niigata because people, I guess, like my friends were mostly in the late twenties. I was in my early twenties back then, so they're in the late twenties or they have families already. So. Um, I was, you know, looking forward to having more people that are, that are my age and share more similar uh, experiences. So that's something that Tokyo was able to offer. But then just lifestyle wise, I just, yeah, after Niigata, I realized that I, I'm kind of a country girl. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> relax and look at and just be in nature all the time. Right. So, uh, yeah, definitely harder to do that in Tokyo. Which is interesting because I moved to New York, <laughs> another concrete <laughs> jungle. <laughs> yeah, but but you know both both places have the pros and cons, so I'm glad that I got to experience both places. Yeah. Uh, was there like a event or turning point where you like kind of decided that you were kind of wanting to go to the next chapter out- outside of Japan and back to the states? Yeah, um, I actually got really just like upset and depressed in Tokyo at one point. I think it's around winter time, obviously. But um, it was just so bad because I I noticed how uh, women really don't have that much say in the Japanese society, and that is just against everything that I believe in because I I grew up in a girls' school right until college. I always went to a girls' school, and I was always told that you know girls have the power to change the world. Um, but then obviously I didn't feel that in Japan and it was so bad to a point where I would turn on the TV, I would go out of my apartment, but I would feel very nauseous. And like, you just kind of feel like you're in this bubble where everyone is just like trying to clash against you. And like, you just know that your values and the values of these people around you are just not aligned, which is why I was like, okay, like Kara, like this is, this is really bad if you... Like don't feel physically good when you go outside of your of your apartment. So that's when I know that you know maybe it's time it's time to bounce, <laughs> bounce back to <laughs> time to go back to your place that you're familiar with and where you see yourself living for a longer time. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess like now you're back in New York. You kind of departed from that after kind of feeling nauseous. But would you ever live in maybe rural Japan again? Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but I always tell myself maybe when I retire. 
character. I actually thought about you know opening a, a guest house in Niigata. I actually、mm. still think that is a great business idea. <laughs> Need to hash it out a little bit more, but I definitely think there. Yeah, there's it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, as advertised first on the Korakata podcast, you heard it here first. Yeah, maybe ten years later. Ten years later, there will be a new guest house. The the YouTube algorithm is gonna resurface like ten years later and just provide the advertisement to everyone who needs to go to Niigata. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I, I, anyone listening, ten years in the future, we got you. Yeah, <laughs> but. I guess now, like in terms of your Japanese, after kind of going and spending all this time from the rural all the way back to, I guess, the urban, do you feel like your Japanese improved? And I guess, how do you feel about your Japanese level today? Ah,、uh, yeah, it's definitely not as good as before.、Yeah. I would say my reading and writing and listening are still there. But then my、right. speaking has definitely deteriorated because of the lack of opportunities to speak it now. Actually,、uh, so after I moved to New York, I looked for this like Japanese and English、uh, language exchange group, and I got really close to the organizer, and she was actually looking for an apartment. And、um, there's an empty room in my house, so I was like, "Yo, like, do you want to live in my house?" <laughs> And she was like, "Yeah, why not? Sounds fun." So she actually moved into my house, and she lives upstairs. So、uh, we do this weekly lunch thing, and where where you know we just talk, and、uh, like she is good with English too. But then you know that's like my chance to <laughs> to, to speak <laughs> Japanese. So um, so I, I still you know try to maintain my level there, um, and also just hitting up my friends from Japan, you know, doing calls with them, and watching Japanese dramas. <laughs> yeah. Those are my main ways, but I don't. I don't study with a textbook anymore. Yeah. Do you still want to like get better at Japanese? Yeah, definitely.、Uh, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking about taking the business Japanese test, but then at the same time, like, but when will I ever get to use business Japanese? And also, like, the thing with me is that I'm very against using Kegel because I feel like Kegel. The whole idea of Kegel is to put distance between you and people, right? But then. I am the type of person that just wants to close that distance between people. So, so yeah, yeah. Even when I was in Japan,、um, I just like never really used Kegel. And、uh, my coworkers, yeah, my some of the coworkers were like, "Kara,、ah, you gotta, you gotta work on that, man." But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, yeah, no, no, tame kuchi all the way. <laughs> and also, I know that you、uh, you speak、um, like Cantonese and probably Mandarin. So that's like four languages. Um, do you find it hard to like maintain a high level in different languages? Yeah, it's very difficult. Language is really something that if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> Even for my mother tongue Cantonese, <laughs>、yeah. like sometimes I talk to my parents and I just I just can't explain what I really want to say. Like all all I all I can see and read in my brain is just English phrases, and I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily want to speak English to them because I want to. That's my only chance again to practice my Cantonese. So、uh, and also my grandma doesn't understand English, so I really have to explain things in Chinese. But then, yeah, lately, not lately, in the past few years, I've just been struggling to do that.、Uh, so again, watching shows helps, and yeah, I just wish I had more opportunities really to practice all of those languages. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine how diverse your Netflix collection is over here. <laughs> Going across every language. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's funny because when I learn Japanese, obviously knowing Chinese really helps with learning Japanese. And then sometimes right, right. when I look at one kanji, I would have four different pronunciations in my head <laughs> from Cantonese and Mandarin, and there are two yeah pronunciations in Japanese. So I'm like, yo, this is very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> We, we were actually on um, someone else's podcast a little while back, and Eric brought out the really good um, way to learn Japanese. It was um, step one, learn Chinese, and then step two, learn <laughs> Japanese. So wise words coming from Eric. You guys heard it. This is how you learn Japanese right here. It's an easy two-step process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess now kind of transitioning, though, uh, you, you spoke a little bit earlier about how it was maybe a little bit difficult having, I guess, social type of relationships with people in Niigata because, like you're saying, like either everyone was really young or they're really old as kind of like as to be expected if you're going to be like in rural Japan. But kind of coming to Tokyo and having um being able to experience like meeting people of similar age how how did that go I guess in terms of like socially and maybe even like on a relationship relationship level yeah it was definitely a lot easier to meet people uh my age but then that is just meeting them right <laughs> it's right. I think in Tokyo it's a lot harder to actually maintain that friendship with people because mm-hmm. people you know they have their own businesses going on and they may not be they may not have enough time to entertain you so so <laughs> which is very different from Niigata because you know people a lot they have a lot more free time in Niigata and I think like they they also value human relationships a lot more um, but I mean that's kind of expected right in Tokyo because you know people right. have their own thing going on so I find that a lot harder I mean, it definitely takes a lot more I guess like proactiveness to hit people up and actively break that ice between people. Uh, but uh, yeah, so which is why I guess like most of my friends in Tokyo were foreigners because they're all trying to make friends. So it makes it a lot easier for me too to make friends with people who want to make friends. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I guess like romantically, um, I was single in Japan bas- basically the whole time when I was in Japan uh, because, but I went on a lot of dates, you know, but it's, it's just difficult to... I guess establish a like a deeper connection with Japanese guys in my in my opinion, and I feel like they also look for girls that are more, I guess like reserved and and submissive, which is the opposite of me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, which is yeah, which is why I didn't think it works. Even though yeah, so like after a few a few dates with you know very local Japanese guys, I was like, okay, Gahar, maybe you should go for it. Japanese American guys, right? Japanese people who have lived overseas who are probably more open-minded about different cultures. So um, I try, I try doing that. <laughs> but then it didn't quite work because uh, I feel like if they came back to Japan, it probably means that they feel a strong connection with Japan, right? So um, right, at the end of the right. day, I, I feel like, yeah, they still prefer dating a Japanese girl. So that was, that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, a la let's bounce. <laughs> yeah, time to bounce. <laughs> yeah, but like I think you brought up like a, a good point in terms of like it's like you have like a really different culture you're kind of getting yourself into when it comes to like having like maybe a deeper relationship. But I guess like I guess that's one side of the coin with um maybe dating Japanese guys. But do you ever try also dating like foreigners, for example, or anyone else in Japan? And kind of was there a different experience there? Kind of 
live doing this all in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I'm really trying to dig my memory right now. I feel like I I think I went on a few dates uh, with right. Western Western guys, with American guys. Um, but then it didn't work out because, well, first there is distance, right? Uh, and and second is I feel like they were looking. I think they just like me because I was Asian. So I was like, yeah, that's not really right either. And you know, like, <laughs> but then you know. After a few days, we kind of like talk about our future plans, right? And you know, I right. knew that I knew, yeah, from a very you know, early time that I wouldn't stay in Japan, and they wanted to stay in Japan, so it didn't work out. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I was definitely, I, I definitely felt a lot more at home and natural when I went on dates with the Westerner guys. Yeah. I see. What are your thoughts on like uh, Kokaku culture? Because uh, in Taiwan, it's like something done as well, and I don't know about Hong Kong, but what what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, same thing in Hong Kong. So it's it's very clear when you go from just dating or friends into a formal relationship, and I actually I'm not against it because it makes it very clear for both parties, uh, as to as to where the relationship is. Right, that's something I actually struggle with the American style of dating because I'm like, well, so what are we? <laughs> We're just hanging out, like we chill. <laughs> The age-old question. Yeah, it's like, dude, you have to ask me officially, you know? <laughs> so I feel like uh, the dating scene in America is interesting because you, I always feel like I have to <laughs> try to guess a good timing to DTR, to define the relationship. Uh, yeah, whereas, you know, because I've only been dating Asian-American guys back in America. So so like I feel like they may have a different system when it comes to dating. So I would rather guys tell me straight up that, oh, hey, I really like you. Do you want to be my girlfriend? <laughs> that, that makes things a lot easier for me that I don't have to keep guessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're actually planning on um, diverging from Korekara podcast. We have that going on, but we're going to have the Korekara Bachelor coming up. So... It's a eye on the future. You can advertise it along with the the Niigata share house. Ten years in the future. Oh my god! I, I'll have my own terrace house. <laughs> we're 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 making some pretty big ideas here. Let's go check it out on Netflix. In, in four languages. In four languages. True. True. <laughs> Yeah, be be ready, be on the lookout, guys. Be on the lookout, Korekara and Kara. We're we're out here. We're we're going at we're going places. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, these are great ideas. <laughs> don't take any of them, guys. I'm I'm telling you, it's, we we were putting them out there, but don't don't take it. We're we're trying to we're trying to do it. Maybe maybe. <laughs> but I I guess um. So I guess a really interesting story that you um, have talked about in your videos was like during Jet, you're really proactive with meeting new people and kind of attending new events. So um, on Facebook, um, as some people may know, there's a popular group called Subtle Asian Dating. And some of your fans (laughs) might know, but you actually um, arranged a a Subtle Asian Dating or as some people like to call it, SAD meeting and meet up in Tokyo, right? (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about how that kind of happened and um, what came of it? 
Yeah, to be honest, it really just started from me posting on the the main subtle Asian dating group because I wanted to meet people, obviously. So I was like, "Hey, long shot here, but anyone in the Tokyo area?" Because everyone is in what、well, Canada, America, Australia. So like, "Hey, anyone in in Tokyo that I can possibly meet?"、Um, and actually, that post I got like thirty different guys message me after that, and then one of them one of them was like, "Hey, why don't you open a group?" For all of us, I was like, "Yo, that's a great idea!" Because、um, in my three years in Japan, I just like felt this lack of sense of belonging, really, and like really had nowhere to talk about my experiences as an Asian foreigner. So I thought, you know, that's a great opportunity to connect all of us, so that we know, you know this is a group that you can trust. You can talk about all your feelings. It really didn't start with a romantic <laughs>、um, kind of goal, but then so I opened that group. And I arranged, I think, three events in total. The first one was a Christmas meetup.、Uh, thing is, a lot more guys showed up than girls. <laughs> so I think it was like, I think it was like twenty five guys and five girls. So the ratio was totally off. <laughs> um, but um, I I believe everyone you know had a good time, and a lot of them I still keep in touch with a lot of them actually. And yeah, that it was also in that meetup that I met my you know then boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that would lead me to move into New York. Yeah, we broke up. I'm pretty open about this stuff. We broke up, but then I'm still really grateful that you know I got to come to New York because of him. Because I wouldn't know honestly if I he he still asked me. We st- we're still on pretty good terms, and he's like, "Yo, like if you didn't meet me, where do you think you would be now?" And honestly, I don't know, right? Because I knew that I wanted to leave Japan,、uh-huh. but where would I go? Right? Would it be Australia? Because it's very difficult for me to come back to America since I'm not American. So finding a job was definitely a challenge. So、uh, yeah, I honestly I don't know the answer to that question. So I'm grateful <laughs> that we met at my event.、Um, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> fun times. Yeah, just just wondering, was the name of your group、um, the Japanese Bachelorette? Because that's that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there were other people that got into a relationship from my meetup, so I, I would say it's a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out here、um, giving roses and everything. Have some people getting eliminated, but it is what it is. <laughs> so there, there's actually people filming this. By the way, it's、um, hasn't been released on Netflix yet, but be ready. Kara、um, has it all under control right here. So. <laughs> New, new critically, critically acclaimed, acclaimed series, series coming coming, coming soon. soon. <laughs> Top ten in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean on our previous podcast, we actually had、um, a three D animator on who、um, creates works for Netflix. Netflix. So maybe, maybe we just gotta, gotta like go and kind of make something happen here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, 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 Yeah, I mean that, that's really interesting to hear because, like you said, you're really, I guess, like you're a big go-getter, and you really just like spoke these things into existence right here. That's all super <laughs> fun to hear, especially with like, I guess,、um, I guess in terms of like subtle Asian dating, like you're saying, a lot of it based in Canada, Australia, U.S. So it's really interesting to hear that you're able to get something done actually in like. Japan and Tokyo specifically itself. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It, it really helped me as well to be able to, you know, meet people from similar backgrounds and just just to feel at home. Like we don't really have to say anything, to be honest. Yeah, we just just the, the fact that we're there and we understand each other from the get go really helped me. 
to feel more belong to the city that I was living in. Yeah. Yeah, it's always great to hear. And I guess like in terms of, I guess maybe not so much belonging, but in terms of maybe a goal that you kind of had set out from coming to Japan. One of them was visiting every single prefecture, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> it. Didn't happen. Yeah, did not achieve it. I think I went to thirty-four. Wow, that's pretty insane already, though. That's pretty insane. <laughs> Still got thirteen to go. <laughs>、um, yeah, but、uh, the, I think the the trip that I that is the most remarkable for me is the trip to Kyushu. I I just saw a、mm. lot of、uh, nature. I went to a lot of different onsen, right? So like, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And just driving in Kumamoto, right? It's such it's such a beautiful place, you know. A lot of nature. People are super nice, and food is super good. Ah,、uh, no complaints. <laughs> what are what are like some prefectures that you maybe want to revisit or like that you want to try going to next time that you're in Japan? Um, so I didn't get to go to Hokkaido or Shikoku. So those regions are definitely places I would、uh, love to go. But then if I were to go back to a place. I think the Tohoku area, so the northern tip、uh, of Japan, of the mainland, is is another really special place. So I, again, I went to all the onsens, all the hot springs, <laughs> up there, and like people, people are very like they're extremely friendly up there, and they also have very like unique dialects. So that's something that I definitely want to learn more the next time I get to go. Yeah, and Aomori was also is also there. So. <laughs> You、gotta get them apples. No, seriously, it's like a connection. <laughs> This emotional connection to Albany. Yeah, I've never seen anyone have such an emotional connection to Albany before. It's like a first. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think that's from my solo trip to Albany. Yeah, so I made sure that I went to Albany because I didn't get it as my placement. I went there during Golden Week in my first year of Japan. So、uh, as a solo trip, you know, I. Met a lot of different people there. I stayed at a hostel, so I got to talk to the owner. Surprisingly, I understood his his Japanese. I thought it would be you know very like dialecty, but it wasn't actually. So um, just like that, just feeling of freedom, and just going on an adventure kind of just like was very yeah you know, unique to me. So、uh, Aomori will always be a special place in my heart. Yeah. Hence, care adventures. <laughs> I mean. It、probably increase the foreigner population in Aomori by like thirty percent at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> they they probably made an Instagram post as <laughs> together like oh we we're going we're on the come up guys we're on the come up. <laughs> yeah, Aomori adventures. <laughs> Aomori adventures. Yeah, we're really excited to see what our prior guest has to say when he goes there to live full time, but. Yeah, shout out to Jack. Yeah, he he's he's been a mainstay of the Korakata podcast. Be on the lookout in the Discord, guys. Remember, we got a Discord. If you guys haven't checked it out, the links below. <laughs> But、um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really interesting point to me that you were talking about how friendly everyone was, especially over there, because one of our previous guests, Hannah, actually went and took a solo trip around there too, and she actually spent like an like a night just. She went to like a bar and she just met up with local fishermen and just had like a great time because she had to wait to take like a boat up. So 
she just had a fun time met people she probably won't ever like meet again maybe but like she had a great time and just like went around and they, they like hosted her and it was kind of like a, a theme that was kind of common throughout the whole area so I, I guess did you have maybe an, an adventure where you just had like a specific maybe very friendly person come and kind of make your day a little bit better Oh, definitely. Yeah, so, which is why I love staying in hostels when I travel, because you get to meet people from, again, all walks of life and from different parts of Japan. And so in uh, Aomori, on the first night, I met four different travelers. They're all Japanese. And they're like, yo, like, what, what's your plan for tomorrow? And honestly, like in Aomori, that's one main attraction that I wanted to go to. It's uh, Oyurase Stream. So you just walk along and I forgot how many, maybe like 18 different waterfalls. So it's something that I really wanted to do. And also where the Google images that mesmerized me <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> so I made sure that I hit that attraction. And so I told the travelers, right? And they were like, yo, let's go. So four of us just went to that, to the walk uh, together the next day. And there's this girl who who um uh came to my room actually the next day and like we talked a little bit and like we got so close that he she gave me this magazine for all the like good hot springs <laughs> recommended hot springs in the Tohoku region so I was like oh this is my hot spring bible man okay. <laughs> so throughout my trip I tried to hit up some of the spots. Uh, from that magazine so yeah as to me solo traveling is great because you get to meet people and there's no constraint to you know who you should hang out with or who you shouldn't hang out with so like it's, it's those encounters that really make a trip special i think yeah and i guess speaking to maybe now the adventure side and more specifically your youtube channel and blog now this is uh, as we're coming full circle over here, coming straight from the introduction over to going back to your your channel. So, are, are you still planning on pursuing maybe growth on your YouTube channel and pursuing or maybe posting some of your New York adventures? I guess it's a little difficult now, but maybe in the future when things are more open for adventures. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to. A lot of my friends have been like, yo, Carl, when are you making your, your next video? I want to star in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's definitely something that I've been thinking about. Uh, although lately I've been trying to focus my energy into writing because uh, that's kind of my job <laughs> right now. But I also feel like you know when I write, I can really think things through a lot more and then I can go edit it like 10 billion times whereas whereas in a video you say it and that's kind of it right um so that's the that's where i want to focus my energy on but then yeah like i yeah it's totally possible and i do see a lot of comments on my youtube channel asking me when my next video would be uh i love seeing those messages because it just tells me that you guys just love my content <laughs> so one day one day <laughs> yeah do you feel pressured to like make videos related to Japan? Because probably a big part of your audiences are from the from that those jet adventures. Yeah, so that's another thing too. I feel like my YouTube channel is like a, a chapter of my life in Japan. So I kind of want to keep it that way as well. And like I noticed that the few times that I uploaded uh, videos about America, like the next day I'll just see less subscribers because they wanted to see <laughs> Japanese content. So I was like, oh, like don't leave, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I didn't, 
I guess like back in Japan, I wanted to make it a thing that I do. So I was I was also very curious about the everyday life in Japan. So I had a lot to talk about. But then coming back to America, I was like, well, this is reality. <laughs> this is something I'm used to. So uh, topic wise, I've been kind of struggling to find like as interesting things to talk about uh, as I was in Japan. Yeah. So I guess kind of now going full circle, what sort of maybe advice would you give to maybe incoming Jets, kind of like our friend of the podcast, Jack over here, who is going to Aomori, the the, the land of the apples. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main point. Um, yeah, I always tell people who are going to Japan that, you know, your time in Japan is not going to be perfect. Like they're going to things are going to go south and you have to, you know, be prepared for that. Especially if you're going in the middle of winter, like things are not going to be easy. But remember, you can always put up your bubble wrap. And um, yeah, even though I just like completely hate winter, there is this one story that I wanted to tell you guys. Um, it was it was January in 2017, right? So my birthday is right. in January, January 14th. And so that January 14th was, was when I got into my first car accident. <laughs> In, in my life and also in Japan it wasn't a really big car accident I just couldn't control my car and it just like slipped uh, well, yeah there was a blizzard that day so I couldn't control my car yeah because I didn't know how to drive in snow remember that was my first winter ever in my life so I kind of re-ended the car in front of me but um, the damage was very minimal but still you know you had to go through like the police and the like, insurance calls and all that so I was very like drained that day I was with some friends because we were going to go uh, snowboarding that day. So uh, it wasn't a very fun day <laughs> because of what happened. But then uh, that night, I had a party, right? I had this like hot pot party, Nabe hot pot party, where I invited like 10 friends to my house. Um, I was very stressed out and I was very late to my own party because of what happened during the day, right? The, the thing is, when I was driving back to my house, I saw... I saw a couple of my friends who had already uh, arrived at my place. They were holding shovels and just like shoveling the snow in front of my driveway for me. And I, I, of course, I didn't ask them to do that. But then like driving back, you know, still scared from what happened that day and seeing them, you know, wearing super big, heavy coats. And it was still snowing at night. And they were just like heavy, like uh, holding heavy shovels and doing all this hard work for me. Just like so that I wouldn't get stuck in the snow in front of my driveway. Like that just really warmed my heart. And like that really, you know, reminded me like wh- why I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to, to, get, to, know, to get to know the local people. I wanted to um, experience the culture. And that's exactly the kind of warmth that, you know, I needed that day. <laughs> so um, that's like one little story about winter that, you know, I hate winter. I have this like love-hate relationship with winter. But uh, winter is like, also exactly the time where you can really feel feel the human warmth. Yeah. And also the JET program is a program where the, the more you put in, the more you get out. So uh, really just, it's like, not think about this. Like if you're only going to spend a year in Japan, what do you want to achieve by the end of it? Right. So have very clear goals going into the program and just know that you're there as a foreigner. Right. People are fine where they are. So you as a foreigner kind of have to have to do the work to break the ice with the local people. So just be extra proactive. You know, you may not be super comfortable doing that, um, but then, you know, just like you're in a new country. So just go do all the crazy things that you wouldn't normally do. Like <laughs> after you after you go back to your home country, like no one, no one would 
be like, hey, like why why are you so weird? So so just go do all the things that you really want to do and treat it as a time where you can explore a different side of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, break the ice both literally and figuratively, right? <laughs> You heard it here, guys. Remember, don't forget your bubble wrap. Thank you for the excellent advice, Kara. As I'm sure it'll help a lot of people who are on their way with the newly opened up JET program over here. So I'm very excited for everyone going on, everyone listening to the podcast. But I think over here, it's a good time to call it for the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure having you here. And it was a really fun conversation. Got to know a lot about your Japanese adventure and a lot about the the relationships that you kind of develop and kind of see in Japan and how it can, the differences in the culture and the power of snow in the winter time is a very, very big topic. <laughs> Remember, guys, snow is dangerous. Gotta have the power of friendship and shovel it out of the driveway together. It's the best feeling. Exactly. But <laughs> remember to check out the guest house in 10 years, guys. Remember, YouTube algorithm, you got us. You heard it here in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> you heard it here at the end. <laughs> remember, we were advertising it. Kota got a bachelor, maybe we'll see what happens. But uh, Kota got a Discord though, that is there alongside the Kota got a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. As well as as well as Care Adventures, who will, I mean, will not only the YouTube channel but the blog. Guys, make sure to check out Kara's blog. It's really great content, and she's writing a lot of good stuff here. So please check that out right after you finish the podcast you will be having a great time reading there so yeah again thank you so much Kara. it was a great time and usually at the end of our podcast we like to have a little message for the korekara listeners here so what's what's your fun little message to sign out with here <laughs> yeah i mean uh <laughs> if you guys were uh, thinking about going to Japan or doing the jet program, you should definitely do it. I know, you know, things are not going to be easy when you're in Japan, but I feel like that is the type of life-changing experience that everyone should have at least once in their lives. So yeah, just go do the things that you wouldn't normally do and YOLO! That's why I like to hear <laughs> YOLO! <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you, Kara. It was great having you on. And we're out here signing off. Peace. 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 Hey, guys. Thanks for reaching the end of the podcast. I just want to quickly give a shout out to our patrons. Sad Boy, Izenga71, Miku, Jack, Boy No Eyebrow 4, and KH90. By the way, guys, any comments you leave are highly appreciated, and we always read them. Also, if you guys want to support us personally, you can go check out our Discord or our Patreon. So, I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace!